Three. Chris, you rolled a three. That means the design challenge we'll be taking on in this episode is propose a clever way to use cell phones at the game table. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, I have not talked to you for like two months. It has been a while, yes. Yeah. So who are you who are you again exactly? I know, right? Yeah, we uh we recorded the last two episodes um a while back, um, just for various scheduling reasons and stuff. And so now we're actually getting a chance to see each other. And there's been sort of a lot that's happened since then. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to, you know, like we, we will chit chat about our lives and stuff off air, but uh, I wanted to ask you about how your gaming has been. So I, I guess I know a little bit that you've been running an alien campaign. That's right, yes. And I wanted to say, if you want to peek behind the curtain here, it's classic role for topic, Andy and Chris, that we recorded a couple of episodes, like months in advance, and then we're recording this one, like hours or days before it has to go live. So. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> yes, my gaming, it's been a good uh, month or two of gaming, because I just wrapped up a three-session alien role-playing game scenario. I ran a published adventure called Chariot of the Gods, mm. which they published standalone. And I think it's no longer available standalone, but it's now wrapped into the Alien be- starter set beginner box. Product. Okay. Yeah. What is the, what's the general idea of that one? The general idea. So this was the first Alien, published Alien scenario that came out to support the role-playing game. And it is a classic. You're trapped on a spaceship with uh, xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. It got a little criticism because it, I guess, very mild spoilers here. It uses the aliens from the Prometheus and Covenant side of the movie franchise. Okay. And so it doesn't actually have any of those sort of classic uh, chest bursting xenomorphs in it. Mm-hmm. Although it's got plenty of gross aliens and gross alien interactions with the human form. Yeah. Uh, it is a very alien-esque game, both in its setup and in the agendas that it hands out to its pre-generated player characters, which <laughs> which I, I think you're pretty encouraged to run with the pre-generated PCs, although there's nothing stopping you from rolling up your own. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the alien police will not show up <laughs> at your yeah, door on, on exactly. this one. Yeah. Um, did you, so how many players did you end up having for this? So there were four players at the table in each of the three sessions, although during the final session, there was a swap out of of someone was missing and someone new joined, which it worked out well. Uh, It it was sad that uh, one player didn't see the sort of the fruition of his player's agenda. He had he was the uh, secret android working against the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. But it, the new player who joined in had a great, uh, you know, sense a sense of the cinematic style of the Alien universe and played that to the hilt. So yeah, I was gonna say because you know, so I've I've played Alien with you before, and it is a game in that I think if you understand the genre pretty well, like it's it's a game that I think that would lend itself well to someone else picking up your character, um, right? Like I think like yeah. D&D might be hard really to pick up someone else's character after a while. But like, yeah, with this, if you know that you are the secret Android, you sort of, you know how that's going to play out. Yeah, both the limitation and the joy of the Alien game is that it, you know, it, it leans really heavily on the pacing and plot points of the movies and on the types of stock characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to hand someone a character sheet and say, 
you are the Paul Reiser character from Aliens. And they're like, okay, I got it. I yeah. know everything <laughs> I need to know about this guy. Yeah. Uh, right. And so most of the pre-generated characters have some pretty strong hook that you'd recognize because they've appeared in most of the Alien movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the the secret android, the alien, the corporate sleazebag, you know, the hardworking engine tech that just wants to go home, you know, that sort of thing. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just as a quick aside, I, I'm just... Re- <laughs> I'm just thinking about Paul Reiser right now. I'm like, so I grew up watching him on Mad About You. You know, it was this kind of like jokey sitcom character. But then, I mean, he also has these roles where yeah, he is that corporate sleazeball. And, <laughs> yes. and then he is in Stranger Things, too, as sort of like a jerk scientist. He is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What range? What, when I was a kid, I didn't see him in his more comedic and lighthearted roles. Mm-hmm. Because for various reasons, those TV shows and movies were deemed off limits to me by my yeah. uh, parents. So by the time I got around to seeing him in something, it was as the corporate sleazebag and alien. So that sort of cemented his <laughs> his, yeah. his uh, casting that pigeonholed him there for me in my yeah. mind at least. So it seems more weird for me to imagine him doing like a romantic comedy role mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think we were, we're probably a couple of decades away from getting an alien reboot that's a rom com, but it could happen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've now run. You've run two small campaigns of Alien. Yeah. You know, so I played in one and then you just, that was a couple years ago and now you've done this one. Are you, are you done with that game? Are you invigorated to do more? I think I am done for now. So I ran a kind of published scenario called Heart, uh, uh, called, what was it? Destroyer of Worlds Mm -hmm. for you a couple years ago. When I finished that, I had fun with it, kind of struggled with parts of it was ultimately satisfied and said, I'm ready to put this down, but I might revisit it in, in the future. And indeed, a couple of years later, I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm ready to revisit Alien. And I, I'm in the same spot. I had a good time with it. Mm-hmm. I struggled with parts of it. It was a satisfying role play, GMing experience. And yeah, in like a year and a half, I will probably get the itch to run it again. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's see. So on a previous episode, we had talked a little bit about your props that you were thinking about making or using at the table. Do you have, did you have any of those that ended up actually happening? Yeah. So I did try to get some props in there. When I started, I had these dreams that I was going to show up in like a Nostromo jumpsuit, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, but you know, those dreams quickly faded. So I basically did three things. The simplest thing is I ordered a bunch of like way- property of Wayland Yutani stickers and mm. had the corporate sleazebag hand them out. Yeah. Uh, while reminding everyone that it's illegal to take the stickers off of you know company company <laughs> property. The second tier is I found someone on Etsy that designs that designed like an Ellen Ripley uh, ID badge, mm-hmm. and so I bought that and then I photoshopped. I made a bunch of copies inserting photos and info for the PCs. And then I went mm-hmm. to Office Depot, bought some like conference yeah. badges, badge holders. And so everyone had a little ID, you know, lanyard, uh, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed it a lot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it, you know, had a lot of practical use at the table. But mm-hmm. um, the third thing, though, I really relied on the uh, creativity of other players out there and someone out there program so the scenario is you're you're investigating you're exploring a derelict ship and you're trying to piece together what happened to it i mean spoiler alert aliens got up oh no yeah but you know you have to pretend you don't know what what happened and someone out there went and made like recreated this computer terminal interface it's a it's on the web so you just pull it up in your web browser and Mm -hmm. then 
you select like which crew member you're logging in as, and then you have access to that person's mostly to a, to a, like a map of the ship and a crew roster. But the most interesting thing is you have access to their email. So mm. outbox and inbox. Hmm. And so what I did, and this is at the recommendation of people on Reddit was I had my laptop there at the game. I had that open and when the PCs would find like an ID card on a body, mm -hmm. uh, I would let them scan that at a terminal and then oh. I would give them access to that crew members, basically their email. That's awesome. So it was fun. It didn't, it got some use at the beginning. They, they really only came across a couple of key cards and I think they enjoyed it. But you do have the issue of, you know, once you kind of have the gist of what happened, piecing together all the details of like, oh, but what happened to so-and-so is, mm -hmm. is less important. I mean, what happened <laughs> is the aliens got loose and killed everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. And by that time, aliens are, you know, running around on the ship threatening the PCs. So it yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful thing. I really salute the, the Reddit user who put that together. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a kind of a generic version of that that could be customized mm -hmm. and i'm i'm sure if i had more coding skill i could take a look at what this person did and yeah repurpose it for my own ends but if you're running chariot of the gods it's an absolute absolute bonus a just pure addition to the experience to seek that out so mm -hmm. just google reddit you know chariot of the gods uh, online interface mm -hmm. or something like that and you'll find it yeah i'm sure it'll pop up we can maybe even throw it in the the show notes too yeah for yeah, sure that that sort of stuff is fascinating i mean it reminds me of in video games when you pick up all like the log books and the audio messages and stuff at, like a certain point like i try to get into reading those like reading every single one of them but then you just sort of get i don't know like it's it's just too much <laughs> too much to yeah. keep up with so i can't imagine that translates well to like yeah a party of four or five people trying to like read it all at the same time i guess did you have did they do like a dramatic reading so of it like how the did, way it how worked did that out work? was kind of neat i mean so the person who had the key card could see could access the con the console so i would hand that person my laptop and they would like they would read it mm -hmm. and the rest of the the players would just learn whatever that player chose to divulge about what they were reading. Oh. So that worked pretty well. I think if I had known that that dynamic would be present, I think you could, you could uh, lean even more heavily into that. Uh -huh. But the sort of info being divulged. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could put little like, hints and stuff in there like don't read this part out loud <laughs> you know, or like right yeah, yeah yeah you you can decide if you want to read this part out loud to your so the way it works is yeah as one player would kind of silently use the laptop for a couple minutes and then just kind of give a one sentence report about what they learned <laughs> which was deeply unsatisfying in the best possible way, oh so. my goodness yes that is yeah <laughs> good for them <laughs> yeah. yeah so i salute my players for handling it in that way and not just reading out loud the email mm -hmm. um, the email trail so that's super neat um yeah i mean i i like that system and i think yeah going back to that idea of cinematic stuff i mean i think it just it does that so well um yeah so i think i, I asked you did you did anyone die did you kill anyone yes okay so there were five pc crew members one of them died in the first session okay and then there was one pc death 
and numerous NPC deaths. Okay. One of the players at the table ended up controlling a couple of people and they just kept dying on him, which was kind mm-hmm. of brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Most of the crew made it home uh, more or less. At the yeah. <laughs> more or less. Yeah. I'm happy that they figured out a way to do it. I, I wish maybe there had been mm-hmm. one survivor or, you know, something like that, but mm-hmm. you know, that's the challenge of these games, right? They invite you to recreate the feel of the movies, but Mm-hmm. they have to you have to give priority to the story that develops at the table so i can't come in and mandate like oh no everyone needs to die except for the last survivor right so yeah it's just yeah. the tension of running a role-playing game that's so heavily tied to a cinematic experience mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean like when i played with you i really wanted to go out in a blaze of glory right yeah. so like we kind of found that moment in there um but yeah it's well i <laughs> i heard well. that from one or two players which is yeah. that they were they were wanting to get themselves killed in a dramatic way by an alien or something like that and yeah. that's great it's hard to it's a little hard to engineer that without sacrificing you know the player player choice that's so important to these games yeah but it's and something then... i will give a lot of thought if i run this again you know do i want to go so far as to say this is what the fate of your character is going to be so work towards it you know Mm -hmm. i don't know how would you like what would you do you know i was just thinking like so there is a mechanic in the um kids on bikes game uh where you have a powered character that's shared by everybody at the table and i kind of wonder if that's a way to approach it is like you you have the notion of there's only one person who's going to survive this right so you're mm. playing your own character but then you're collectively playing that powered character so then as as players drop then it's not like they have to just sit back and sort of watch what's happening at the table which i think would be painful you know so then then you're you know ripley is being controlled then by the whole group at that point that is a fascinating way to do it i really like that and if i run alien again i'm going to have to dig up kids on bikes and think about how to approach that because yeah that's maybe a good way to handle it yeah i don't i mean it could be terrible but i'm just thinking like right like if they're if you want if everybody sort of wants to die they also don't want to sit around for two hours or an entire entire session yeah watching it um yeah so that just might be a way to give them something to do um or you give them control of one of the xenomorphs (laughs) yes there's always that possibility too yeah. yeah so hey i ran alien and did you have recently run or play in a game that was sort of halloween themed did you want to yeah. tell us how that went yeah so i played a game of 10 candles so the gm for that was john Corey, and then i had uh had a handful of friends friends over um friends of his and friends of mine um over to play that game it was it was amazing so i don't have you played 10 candles before i've not no i'm familiar okay. with the premise but that's about okay it. Cool. Yeah. All right. So my, my new like GMing thing is anyone who mentions that they like games. I'm like, well, you have to play 10 candles. Like, right. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm late to the party, right? It's been, it's been the cool thing for a while, but it is a fascinating game. So I'll give a couple highlights of the mechanics of it. There's sort of a lot that goes into it, but like the general setup for it is that you are playing a tragic horror game. So in this case, everybody is going to die no matter what at the end of hmm. the end of the session. Yeah. Right. So you can die before it ends, but like, that's where everything is trending towards is, is your character dying? Um, and then the, the the main mechanic for it is that you actually light, you physically light 10 candles and put them on the table. And then as the game progresses, those candles get snuffed out based on stuff that's happening wow. in the story that you're telling together. Um, and the, uh, the thing that I really love about it is so like you get, um, as 
the narrative is going on every once in a while the gm will call for a roll if you're trying to do do sort of anything so the number of candles that are lit on the table still are the number of dice that you have (laughs) um that like the the players have and then the number of candles that are snuffed out is the number of dice that the gm has to sort of like roll against you um that's neat and there's some other other rules around that right so like as it's going on you have fewer and fewer statistical chances to actually accomplish the thing (laughs) that you're that you're trying to trying to accomplish um yeah and it's great um and then the other like little subtle rule that i uh, absolutely adore um with the candles is that if one goes out accidentally it stays out so you have this situation (laughs) where everybody at the table is like trying to be very careful about not blowing candles out while also still having to interact with each other oh that's great actually that's a neat little touch yeah um and then we use tea lights too so after about an hour and hour and a half right they're starting to go like get pretty low (laughs) just on all right so all that stuff is super cool um and then in addition to that as you you make your characters by writing a couple of like personality traits we'll just call them um on different cards in front of you so you have i think it's three or four cards in front of you and then at any time you can physically burn one of the cards so you put in one of the candles to burn it up and then you have a bowl in the center you can drop it in and then that gives you a, a minor advantage usually you can re-roll yeah re-roll. oh that's wonderful yeah so you learn um you learn about each other as you burn you're burning these cards because you you know you only have the topmost one visible to people so you burn it and then the next one is visible right like so it's like you're learning about each other as you're burning through these cards and then, and then once you burn your final card then you're done wow <laughs> You're done in the game. What an atmospheric experience. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. Um, and then, so the last thing I'll mention about the mechanics is that you you start the game off after you've done your character creation, you record an audio message. Like, so everybody records an audio message that's going to get played at the end of the game. Um, huh. Right, so you're recording something sort of based on your personality, but you also don't really know where where the game is going to go, like where the, where yeah. the narrative is going to go. Um, but then you you start working towards that then throughout the game it's like you've recorded this like this message your final message your final like you know your last words and then it's like how do you how do we as a group sort of get us get ourselves to the point where that makes sense in a sort of in character as well so that is actually more involved than i thought Mm -hmm. i thought it was mostly just the very first thing you said uh the candles are the mm-hmm. number of dice you've gotten. That's it. I didn't realize there was some neat twists, like yeah. burning up your character traits and stuff. That's yeah. kind of neat. I think I didn't quite realize that either. You know, like I said, yes, because it was, you know, it's a Halloween game and, and John was going to run it. And John's been on the podcast before. I, you yeah. know, like we all love him. So I was like, oh, it's great. You know, like I'll get a chance to play with <laughs> play with John and some of my friends that I like playing with. Um, Jess, who's been on the podcast, played as well. And my wife, my wife did too. It was really delightful and it was fun throughout the game it could get pretty bleak and creepy, but you could kind of modulate how creepy you wanted it to be based on your actions in the game. So you also, you also at certain times after a candle goes out, you go around and you kind of restate some facts about the scene Hmm. in front of you. So you can add stuff to what's going on in, in the narrative, you know? So like at one point, I think, the thing that I added was that like a volcano started erupting, (laughs) you know, like making it much worse. And then another player added that they had a cat that could not die. (laughs) Right. You know, like, so it was just, you know, stuff like that where you're, you're, you're kind of like, uh, this is the story that we're sort of telling collectively um, throughout the game. But yeah, it's, I highly recommend it. I think just from a game design perspective. So if you are, a GM who likes running games, this is one to check out just to get your, your mind going in, uh, in different ways of like, yeah, how can I approach telling a story 
collaboratively, like how do you approach telling a story where you know no one's going to make it out, but it's still entertaining to play? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So it was good. Well, fascinating. It sounds like this was a good Halloween for both of us gaming yeah. last time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I didn't I didn't run what I thought I was going to. Like I had some other ideas for games to run and then this one just sort of emerged. It's like, oh, this this sounds like a perfect Halloween. <laughs> Halloween yeah. Game. Yeah. There's one other not Halloween related thing I wanted to share. I'll mm-hmm. try to keep it really brief. And it is a, you know, we should just have a regular segment on the show of like stuff I've played in a video game that yes. I want to bring into <laughs> uh, tabletop role-playing games. But I've been replaying Fallout 4. Oh. which is uh you know i don't think i need to introduce that for our listeners it's a you know big sprawling post-apocalyptic computer rpg so and they just do a neat design trick that's been stuck in my head since i since i first articulated to myself what they were doing it's an open world game so got sort of like hex crawl mentality just strike out and see what you bump into and so all over the map are these optional, I guess you call them mini dungeons. Mm-hmm. And they're, I use the word dungeon in a generic sense. So these are usually like old abandoned buildings or factories or something like that. And they, you know, they take maybe 45 minutes to play through. You fight monsters, you get loot, and then you leave. And you can, if you enjoy doing, if you enjoy that gameplay cycle, you can hit up all of these many things around the map where you can just skip them and stick to the plot stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is the way that they make these mini dungeons. They keep them from feeling like you're just replaying the same thing over and over, which you kind of are because one ruined facility looks more or less like the next. Mm-hmm. And that is they, there is a story with like a start, a middle and an end that you can follow in each of these little dungeons through a combination of environmental storytelling and mostly through like computer entries and and notes you find around the facility as you explore and it makes a big difference so like here's an example so one of the places i went in where the one that made me realize what they were doing was a toy a toy company's headquarters oh and so it's just an abandoned toy company headquarters so that's cool right you know they they play with that theme a little bit but i'm mostly just fighting post-apocalyptic monsters in yeah in here and finding you know ammo as loot yeah yeah (laughs) so that's kind of boring except as you go through and you get access to you know old computer terminals and stuff like that. You read the story of like how the company uh, the company was approached by the government to use some of its factories, you know, before the World War Three to use some of its factories to uh, manufacture like weapons or landmines. Uh-huh. And so you get this little peek and like some of the found like. The company founder thought that was a betrayal of what his company was for, but the new, but his son who was on the board thought it was a good idea. So you follow this weird tension. You learn about who was like, who was fired and you read the emails from the government. And by the end of it, you get a little, you have felt like you've read a little short story set in this setting. Hmm. And it that is that sticks with you, even though I couldn't tell you what the loot was that I found when I finally got to the last yeah. part of that room. So I've been babbling a little more about that than intended. But any quick mm-hmm. reactions? Yeah, this uh, this actually reminds me of a, a tweet I read earlier today. Um, someone was talking about how to design a mega dungeon, and a good approach to that is to design a bunch of three to five room dungeons hmm. and sort of link them together loosely as much as possible. And they 
along with that tweet, they shared a the map of Hollow Knight, the video game Hollow Knight. Have you played yes. that before? Yep. Yeah, so it's a Metroidvania um, game where you're like you're sort of like slowly unlocking skills and abilities. You can you know travel further and further into this. Um, yeah, into this this world um, and this like this whole map. But like when they showed the map of of Hollow Knight, it was very apparent like there's all these different sections, right? Like yeah. there's all these sections, and like you don't the critical path to like beat that game doesn't go through everything, right? Like it's same thing with Fallout, like as you're talking about, like right, yeah. like you can you could skip all those dungeons probably and still have a fun time with the game, right? But like they add details and stuff yeah. to to what you're doing, you know. So Hollow Knight and Hollow Knight also does that too, right? You have these little sections that can sort of sit on their own as almost levels, but they are interconnected with the whole thing, um, mm-hmm. right? And so like, and then a good mega dungeon will sort of do the same thing. So you're not just like, you don't have one goal of like, I need to go find Strahd, right? I need to go find Strahd in his gigantic castle and it's going to take me like, you know, 50 hours to do because like, you know, there's all these different rooms and stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, there's all these like little subsections and they each have their own little story to tell. You know, the the real reward of doing those subsections is that you learn a little piece of lore or you learn mm-hmm. a story that makes the setting feel more real, you know? Yeah. That's um that's really appealing to me, whether you're talking about a dun like a story behind a dungeon type encounter or even just like what's the story we've talked about behind the magic item you just picked up? Mm-hmm. Like why what, what's the story behind this cloak that gives you a benefit to charisma? Like, who had it made? What did they want to do with it? Why yeah. is it now in the bottom of this castle, right? Unused yeah. for a, a century. Yeah, yeah. And having having some answers to those things, like, I, I don't think you necessarily need an exhaustive short story behind, say, oh, every sure. magic item or anything. Yeah. I mean, just having, yeah, a few little details about that. Like, I don't know. The cloak has the uh, embroidered... Um, you know, like someone's name embroidered into yeah, it. right. Like exactly, it's like, it, yeah, yeah. To so and so with love, you know that yeah. right. That that's that might be enough to just suggest to get your mind going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, that does already get my mind going. But um, okay, that's <laughs> okay. Really well, cool. shall we yeah, turn to yeah. our uh, our challenge here? Yes, yeah. I think we both at that point were like, oh no, we need to actually talk about the thing <laughs> that we're going to talk about. But yeah, so we rolled on the table and we ro- rolled a, a three to propose a clever way to use cell phones at the table. Um, so the the first thing that jumped to mind, uh, my mind here was, uh, have you played Alice is Missing? Have you heard of this I haven't, game? but that came to mind as well. I, yeah. I remember looking at the Kickstarter and thinking it was neat and then looking at my bank budget and making a hard, <laughs> Going, hard call. Yeah. Yeah, so the the conceit there is that you you everybody is like kind of texting back and forth, I guess, like it's like a group text message, um, right? So you actually change your name in your phone to whoever your character is, and then uh, the game plays out over a fixed amount of time, and you're kind of texting, you're texting back and forth rather than I guess sitting down and rolling dice and, and talking <laughs> talking to each other. Uh, so that's probably the most clever way to use cell phones at the table. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so maybe let's uh, let's brainstorm some other other possibilities here. Um, well, I, guess, I thought yeah, right. I thought about cell phones in the Alien game. Mm-hmm. I uh, unfortunately that online computer interface that I described is not like not mobile friendly design, mm-hmm. so it's not a it's not an easy. It would have been perfect to let people browse through that on their phone, which yeah. everyone had a phone at the table. Yeah. Um, so I thought about you know it's a sci-fi setting. Everyone probably has you know some sort of personal data device like a phone mm-hmm. i didn't come up with a good way to use that but but yeah. i feel like especially if you're in like a, a modern or sci-fi setting there's got to be i don't know there's got to be ways to just incorporate yeah. that into the what's going on 
Yeah, I'm trying to think there. I mean, cell phones are like pretty cheap, right? Like you get a cheap cell phone for essentially free, right? Like a, a lot of people yeah. have them just sort of kicking around, <laughs> kicking around in that drawer where you're like, I don't know what to do with this, but I, I you know, I've got this yep. stack of old cell phones. You know, and getting a, a a phone number and a plan for it would not be that that expensive, such that you could probably like you could set one up just for your game. Oh yeah. Too. Huh. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking it might be fun to have have a cell phone like in the room, like taped to the bottom of the the desk or something, right? And then like I don't use... know where this is going, but I already yeah. like it. <laughs> All right. So there's a cell phone in the room, and it's t- it's connected to <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but like I mean, you could like you could hide it somewhere like that, and then the game that you're playing might give you clues, like you know, to spell out a the 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 number of the phone. Right, like yeah, the the oh. cell phone's phone number, and then like yeah. at, at, they call it right, and then it just starts ringing in the room somewhere. That could be <laughs> <a> really fun, <laughs> fun way to do that. That um, would be that would yeah. be really fun. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so like that's that's a little bit silly, although maybe we can explore that a bit. The the other thing that I've thought about doing is just using cell phones, right? Because everybody has them. It's always a big thing, like when GMs talk about, like, you know, what do I do with people who want to use their phones at the table? I'm kind of yeah. like, whatever, just let them use their, <laughs> let them yeah. use their phones. Life is short. Uh, but the thing you could do is like, you can have asymmetrical information sharing. I think with with cell phones, right? So you could text certain people, like, I'm going to describe this scene, what's going on, and then like you see this extra thing, yeah, right. And so rather than writing it down on a sticky note or something like that, you could just text it to them as well. Um, yeah, which I don't have you tried that before? Have you done anything along those lines? I haven't. Uh, I mean, in the Alien game, there was a lot of note passing between mm. me and the and all of the players, basically. Yeah. I would have loved a way to type that instead of writing out on an index card and, you know, trying to serp, trying to sneakily hand it across the table to <laughs> one of the players, alerting everyone to the fact that something's going on with that yeah. player. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, oh. I mean, you could all have you know, any chat app, but like, you know, roll 20 or whatever open, which I think mm-hmm. lets you, I assume that that is a mobile friendly site, although I guess I shouldn't make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I think that has the ability to message people individually or as a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. I almost wonder too, if like, if you could find a way to send a message such that like everybody at the table gets a notification, but only one person gets a notification with any information in it. Right, so it's like you all get a text message, and it's like, yeah, it's like I don't know, keep this hidden. It's such as like keep this hidden, and I've got nothing to tell you or whatever, you know. But then, yeah, so lots of fake, fake ones yeah. and one real one. Yeah, I like that idea too. Mm-hmm. But you know, as always, you know, we're already though veering into the the across that line where you spend too much time fiddling with mm-hmm. tech at the table, which I think both of us have a real phobia, yeah, phobia of despite being intrigued by all this stuff. Yeah. So in the, the 10 candles game, I mentioned that you record an audio message. So we just mm-hmm. did that on, on John's cell phone. Right. So you yep. just handed that around. I mean, like I'm, I'm old enough to be continually amazed by what cell phones can do. <laughs> yeah. can do these days. Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh yeah, you do have access to an audio recorder and a photography, like a, you know, like a camera and like <laughs> a film camera. Right? Like you have access to all this sort of stuff, everybody's pocket. Okay. But like going back to the question, can we maybe refine this a little bit to like, so it's proposed a clever way to use clever way to use cell phones at the table. That's pretty broad. Do we want to, yeah. can we narrow the scope a bit to maybe like some sort of specific mechanic or something specific that you want to happen at the table? Yeah. I, I feel like there's two ways we could go with this. Mm-hmm. I think we can all imagine the ways that cell phones can like support 
the experience of playing an RPG by like mm-hmm. holding your character sheet or having a messaging system with the GM, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what would be most delightful is something that is more like your idea of, you know, taping the cell, hiding the cell phone in the room, like a way, a clever way to use a cell phone to do something you really wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have a cell phone access mm-hmm. to cell phones. But of course, asking, uh, telling ourselves we need to come up with that here on the fly on the podcast is when it's probably yeah. a, a bit of a tall order. But I like I like trying to find a way to use the artifact that is a cell phone in a way that is delightful at the mm-hmm. table. Yeah, I mean, I think I actually I do like the hiding a cell phone somewhere, although I'm not exactly sure like what happens <laughs> when you call right. it yeah. necessarily. It's, I mean, I it's think like seventy percent of an idea. So it's, like, if, yeah. yeah. It's it's a fun part of the idea. I mean, I guess like right because someone's got to answer it, right? So like maybe you, the GM has to answer it and then then speak <laughs> speak in person, or it alerts them to the location of the cell phone, and then they can then they can go through. And maybe you have like you were talking about with the alien game, like there's emails and stuff they can go through. I mean, you could set that phone up to have have a bunch of artifacts in there, like a contact list or. Yep. Yeah, or old text messages, emails, you know, stuff like that, various apps and stuff already downloaded onto it. Yeah, it's like if you're going to introduce something that is very physical and information rich like that, to me, it sort of begs the question about designing something around using that as part of a sequence of a puzzle, Hmm. right? So you would maybe collect the numbers to get find the cell phone and then have to figure out like the code to unlock it. And then maybe the cell phone then leads you to something else. Yeah. in the room like a specific book and then inside the book there's something right like you can you got to make it part of a scavenger hunt almost just like that's all set up within the room um yeah i mean the the same way you might put together an in-game diary or something like mm-hmm. that for people to flip through my mind i'm quailing a little bit at the thought of how much time would be involved at setting up contacts and yeah a trail of text messages but it's in that would be a pretty amazing artifact that players could just play with and explore maybe mm-hmm. in between game sessions or something even. Yeah, I'm wondering how much you'd need to do with it to really make it effective. I mean, I think if you if you just had a couple contacts in there, you know, related back to NPCs in your in your game and a few text messages, that's probably about all you'd really need to have yeah. on there and then everything else would be extra. I mean, the the really cool thing would be if you sent it home with someone and then it, you know, it rang in between sessions. Yes. <laughs> you know, a shadowy voice picked up. <laughs> Um, Early in the days of the World Wide Web, there were one or two really effective online horror stories that used the medium of, that used websites to tell the story. Like, hmm. I, I can't remember the name of it. The Dionia House, does that maybe ring a bell? Anyway, there was does, one. and It does not. I know, like, I've, I've run it, across it a couple It involved, like, like, fake this. websites set up, you know, and fake message boards and stuff, mm-hmm. and the, the more you clicked around, the more awesome story stuff you got, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was very satisfying. But I guess that's not really cell phone specific. That was something you couldn't have done pre like World Wide Web. Yeah. And so is there something with like phones that what do phones let us do? You know, could <laughs> we do? Yeah. What's what's the like, oh, my gosh, I never thought I could tell a story through this medium mm-hmm. that phones bring us. Yeah, I mean they're fairly portable. I feel like Alice is missing is sort of the the quintessential 
idea there right like that, yeah that i guess maybe this problem has been solved to go play all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well i mean we can come up with another one right so i think the i think the like you know hide the cell phone in the room and somehow use that as part of your, your scavenger hunt i think that's that's a solid idea enough that i'll probably be thinking about it for the next year <laughs> year or so like how to how to pull that off but i'm thinking about like other things that cell phones can do i mean you if you want to actually use their function out their the functionality that's the you know, they're shipped from the factory with, right? So you do have, they have a camera, like they have a flashlight on them. I don't mm-hmm. know. I was thinking about that with yeah. 10 candles, you know, is there like yeah. a, is there a phone light version of 10 candles where you all drain your phones to 10% battery oh. before you come and then yeah. uh, you play by, you will see whose phone has the battery lasts the longest or something, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, yeah, if you just put the flashlight on in the middle of the table and it's like, it just, it's just running, running the whole time. And like, you go until it goes out. <laughs> yeah. You're good. You know, like that is, so that is a type of tension that I feel is like unique to cell phones. Maybe that mm-hmm. tension of I've got to accomplish something and the battery is just about to go. So oh. like I, like one, is there a way to kind of artificially, because that is such a scary feeling, just thinking, I mean, we've all been in that time where like, oh my gosh, I have to mm-hmm. send this text message or find this document and I'm at 1% power, yeah. right? That's yeah. such a, that's such a heart stopping feeling when you're in it. Like, yeah. what, how could we bring that into a game? Yeah. I mean, I wonder if you could, if you could just use it as a pacing mechanic and maybe like, yeah, again, I think 10 candles really has us sort of thinking in that, that direction. But if you ran it down to 10%, and then turned on everything on it, right? Like, so just sort of like <laughs> yeah. sucking as much juice as possible, right? And then it's just like, that's your that's your countdown timer. So it's at 10%. And then every time it ticks down, something else happens in the story that you're telling, right? Like, so maybe you're telling the collective story of like someone's someone lost in the woods or something. Like, yeah. know, can you get them out in time, um, you know, to, to I do, do like that yeah. idea as just a built-in timer. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Like when yeah. the flashlight goes out, it's pitch, mm-hmm. it's dark and the game is over. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you could you could even have that be your only light source <laughs> in the room. At any time, you can reach out. This phone has two percent power. Mm-hmm. At any time, you can reach over and like use it to illuminate. Well, I don't know your character sheet or something. To and, <laughs> but but it has a cost to the whole group that you're using the shared cell phone's power to do it. Oh. Or, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, or you have like a certain number of um, certain number of like lookups that you can do on yeah, some yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh huh. Like, so I want to do like one other thought, and then let's kind of narrow in on on one of these in particular. So, like, yeah. is there anything about the like the shape or the other affordances of a phone that you could use? My mind, this is a little weird. It kind of went towards like, like, <laughs> like, what if you just allowed the 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 players to like destroy the cheap cell phone <laughs> that you that you got in some way? And it's like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what what I was going for there, but like, <laughs> I mean, the the joy I think of being given a cell phone that you're allowed to, <laughs> allowed to break <laughs> might be kind of fun. Yeah, or every, that's maybe every... your pacing. Every time a uh, piece of computer equipment like fails in my yeah. house, my the first thing my kids are all like, "Can we can we break this apart?" <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, yeah. And I am yeah. the I I have like a museum's worth of non functional tech going back into like the late seventies. Yeah. Because you never know, I might be able to like fix it mm-hmm. up again. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, someone asked me for a USB Mini B cable recently, and I had one. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yeah. You and me both. We're like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I wonder if you know, like another pacing mechanic of it would be like 
you just you drop it from 10 feet every time something bad happens and it's like, <laughs> if it if it still survives <laughs> like the harder the roll the harder the challenge the higher the height you have to drop it or the harder you have to throw it or something yeah, like that. yeah oh i like it yeah i mean you could go hide it in the woods too like that'd be another fun place to to stash it if you're going to do the scavenger hunt thing yeah um you know, I'm still thinking about the the flashlight, right? So, like, if you have a light source, you can do some fun stuff with shadows and stuff. This would get mm. into more, like, 3D modeling. Like, maybe you, you, you make something that kind of only reveals itself as it's being lit in some way and, like, casting shadows different places. Like, almost like the Indiana Jones scene where he has the staff and it shows, like, <laughs> oh yeah, that the light comes through. Yes. Yeah, if you could do, do something along those lines, too. But, um, okay. All right. So, what of all of that? kind of piques your interest like what's the thing that you would if you had to take something and run with it what would you what would you go with of all of those things i think the one that feels like there might be an idea in it is use is something that uses the phone battery Mm -hmm. as a timing mechanism of some sort yeah yeah i think i agree that has the most the most appeal to me would you have that be would it be separate from the game or would the game be like kind of contained within the cell phone and like the use of it would be the thing that's draining it 10 candles is so fun because those candles exist outside the game and Mm -hmm. i i like that idea you can also just pull up a timer for 20 minutes on your phone you know there's boring (laughs) ways to achieve the same thing so we need to it needs to do the boring thing but add something delightful on top Mm -hmm. of it right I think I really like the idea of manufacturing a a sequence at the table where everybody's trying to frantically read something off a cell phone that's dying, dying pretty quickly. Like they're trying to get some last bit of information off of it or trying to use the light from it to, to read something that's in front of them. Like, especially if you could, if it's, if it's part of a, if it's a story beat within your game, so they're given a cell phone and maybe you're, you give them a cell phone and like a ledger at the same time. And the, the cell phone's at 1%. It's like, yeah, so you need to find the information that you're trying to find before that goes out. Um, and then you you don't have access to it. You can't see it anymore. So of all of this stuff, what is a cell phone related idea you could see yourself actually trying to explore in a game that you run? If we're, you know, so like if you have the cell phone that's about to run out of battery, I think the thing that I would want to, want to try is having that be your only light source. I think that's that's pretty interesting to me. Like you okay. have this very finite thing. You don't quite know like how it's going to play out <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Cause it's like, I mean, it could like, it might be one of those situations where like 1% lasts you for, you know, a half an hour longer than you think it's going to, right, right. or it could just go, go immediately. We have a couple good, good ideas there. Maybe a genesis of an idea there. Yeah. So if you're listening and you can pick up one of those things we threw out there, I guess this wasn't the design challenge we super completed. We maybe did mm-hmm. a little groundwork for, yeah. uh, for it. So if you pick up one of these ideas and turn it into an idea you could use, we'd actually love to hear about it. So yeah, please do reach out to us. Um, all right, so let's let's call it there. Um, I'm going to yeah. just move on. So our, our uh, ten candles. So I'm calling it here. Our killer app is uh, ten candles, but with cell phones somehow. Or maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Make, make it happen. We're just yeah. the ideas, guys. But, but we have the patent on that idea. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if anything, we should give 10 candles the patent just if, if, if such a thing existed. <laughs> so, 
Okay. All right. Well, we should wrap up there. Um, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to our sister podcast, The Splat Book. Um, so John Corey, who ran the Game of Ten Candles for me, is one of the co-hosts over The Splat Book along with Kyle Latino. Um, they are doing a series right now where they're um, they're adding to their personal Appendix Ns. Mm. Um, so if you're familiar with Appendix N from the, I guess, the Dungeon Master's Guide, Gary Gygax put kind of a list together of like, here's all the influences that went into making Dungeons and Dragons. They're making their own. Um, so they're doing like a little reading club over the next few episodes, I think, where they're going to uh, talk about the stuff that they they really like. Um, so the, the first episode went up last week, I think, um, as of this recording. Um, and that is John's pick. And it is a short story called The Dark Muse, um, which I have not read, although I have it. He gave me a copy to to check out so yeah, yeah go listen to that um, i love i love appendix n i think mm-hmm. it's secretly one of the most powerful pieces of uh of ad and mm-hmm. every time i get a new role-playing game i flip to either the first to the front and then to the back to see if there's a mm-hmm. if it has its version of an appendix n because i i love it yeah yeah uh like blades in the dark has one that i think is really excellent too yeah, um, like it even includes like songs. I yep. think. I know, and yeah. we there's a lot of media types that, that you can now find in these things, mm. and yeah, yeah, it was really helpful to me when I ran uh, Band of Blades. So mm. yeah, super cool. Yeah, so definitely go check those episodes out and uh, give it some thought too. Uh, I've had a lot of fun personally, kind of thinking through like what would I put on a list of <laughs> of things <laughs> that are um, that are crucial to sort of my my approach to gaming uh, appendix chris yeah appendix chris yeah that'll yeah. be my, my memoir <laughs> yeah. later on um, okay well let's yeah. uh let's uh yeah wrap things up then okay cool all right well i've been chris salzman i have been andy Rao. and remember if your player is having fun you're a great gm 